Here we go. All right, so I want to take a few minutes this morning and just talk about a very important principle that helps us answer our question for the year, do I trust God? Now, this principle, it'll enhance your trust. It will radically change the way you trust in God. In fact, this principle is so important that I believe it can absolutely revolutionize the way you see God and the way you interact with God, the way you see yourself and the way you see the world around you. It'll radically change you. In fact, this principle is illustrated also in a very well-known story in the book of Luke chapter seven of Jesus healing a Roman officer's servant. And I want us to look at it together. So um, hopefully you have your Bible open to Luke chapter seven. I'm gonna read it from the New Living Translation. It says this. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go and come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. In verse 9, Jesus says something profound about this Roman officer. He says, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Now, the word for faith here, it's a Greek word. It's the Greek word pistis, and it's also translated believe or trust in several other places in the New Testament. Most of the time, it's translated faith, but the three words for faith, believe, and trust are actually often interchangeable a little bit. They're, some, they're synonyms, so you, you'll see that that happens often. Now, Israel... Um, Jesus says, I haven't found faith like this in Israel. What is he saying? Well, Jesus is saying Israel, Israel is the people of God. They're the people of God. They're the place and they're the people that I'm supposed to find great faith. But I'm not finding it there. I'm finding it in a non-Jew. Someone that has no history with God. Someone that has no understanding of the historical God or the Old Testament or any of the stories that God has done for us. I find it in this non-Jew. Why? I'd like us to look at why this morning. The message version translates verse nine like this. Taken back, Jesus addressed the accompanying crowd. 
I've yet to come across this kind of simple trust anywhere in Israel. Simple trust. The Roman officer had simple trust, but how? How did he have simple trust? What did the Roman officer believe about Jesus that allowed him to have such a profound faith, a a powerful belief and a personal trust in someone he had never met? What enabled him to have simple trust? Well, the verse gives us the very thing that answers that. The officer understood the very strong connection between trusting God and understanding his authority. Trusting God and understanding his authority. See, authority, the definition of authority is the power to determine, adjudicate, or otherwise settle issues or disputes, jurisdiction. It means the right to control, command, or determine. See, the Roman officer saw God and Jesus as the superior authority in the world. He saw that Jesus had the power, the jurisdiction, and the right to do whatever he wanted. See, the Roman trusted that Jesus had a great authority to physically heal, and that trust in Jesus' authority resulted in a miracle, in a change. See, the Roman understood Jesus' authority in a clearly defined way in his mind because of his experience. Now, he understood that Jesus had authority to heal anyone at any time. He understood this from his personal experience with how authority works. See, he was a military man. He was a veteran, you might say. And in his military life, there is a clearly defined authority structure that is faithfully followed without hesitation or you die. That's how strong this authority structure is in the Roman world. In fact, this is how he described it in verse eight. He said, I know this. I know that you can heal my servant. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. In other words, Even though he is a fairly uh, high-ranking Roman official, he says, I have people that are over me. If I get get a letter from Caesar, (laughs) I cannot say no to whatever the letter tells me to do. There is an authority structure above me that when I get some sort of communication, my response and my answer is yes. Whatever I'm called to do, I'm doing it. That's how the authority structure works. But then he also says this, but I also understand that I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go and come and they come. So he understands authority above him. He understands his own authority and he understands how that authority works out from God and from his life. So he understands authority clearly. It's clearly defined in his heart in his mind, and in his actions. And as a result of having the authority of God and of himself clearly defined, he was able to see who the ultimate authority in the earth and in the world was, and that was Jesus. 
In fact, it was so strong in his heart and in his mind that he said, you don't even need to come over to where I am. Just say the word. He could see that Jesus had authority in the spiritual realm and that no one was more powerful than Jesus. See, the Roman officer trusted Jesus' authority implicitly. Well, let's ask a question for ourselves. Do we trust Jesus implicitly? Like, do we understand his authority? Do we trust him implicitly? Do you believe that Jesus has authority over your life, your decisions, your future, your everything? Do you know that Jesus has authority over the whole earth? Does his authority change the way you think regarding your personal circumstances, your problems, your theology, your everyday thinking and living? Has it changed you? Do you pray this way? Do you pray with authority that even though Jesus isn't here physically, you can pray with his authority because his authority is not only global, it's universal? See, Jesus' authority is awesome. It's amazing. And in fact, one day the Bible tells us that we will see his perfect authority and powerful authority on display when he returns to rescue his church. Now, this principle of trusting in Jesus' authority, it's extremely important for us today as well. His, his authority can impact your personal life. It can change your personal life. It can affect things happening in your life. Because every truth in God's word, every reality in the physical world, every reality in the spiritual world is connected to the fact that Jesus has all authority in the universe and in your personal life. Understanding this truth will change the way you see yourself. It'll change the way you see every person around you. And it will change the way you deal with every little and every big thing that happens in your life from this day forward. When we understand the ultimate authority of God and Jesus, it will change everything. Now, let me show you what I mean with several other verses as well, because this idea is talked about all throughout scripture. But let me show you several others that communicate the authority of Jesus and how simple trust in his authority can change our lives. The first one is the healing of a paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof. You'll remember this story. It's just two chapters earlier in Luke chapter five. There's a man who's been paralyzed from birth and his friends take him to where Jesus is, but the crowd is so large that they can't even get into the house. They can't even get the paralyzed man in front of Jesus because they also recognize Jesus' authority and they know that if they can just get their paralyzed friend to Jesus, he'll heal him and he'll be healed and he won't have to beg anymore and live a life just being paralyzed. Well, they can't get to Jesus, so they become extremely creative and they go on top of the house and they rip the roof off the house and they lower the man through the roof, right down in front of Jesus. But Jesus says something quite interesting. He just says to the man, I forgive your sins. Now, the man's probably thinking, great, but I didn't really come here to get my sins forgiven. Like, that's awesome. Maybe that's great. Um, but I'm, I'm lame, and I want to walk. And Jesus says this in verse 24. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now Jesus communicated something very powerful about authority here. The first thing he communicated is that our spiritual forgiveness is more important than our physical healing. That what we are doing with our sin, what we are doing with our failures and with our brokenness is way more important than a broken leg. A broken heart will affect your eternity. A broken leg will just affect my life here. And so Jesus says, what I need you to know is that I have the authority to forgive sin, and that's way more important than your physical healing. But just so you know that I have even more authority, I'll heal you of your, of your lameness as well. And so he heals him, he gets his mat, and he goes home. Now, this, this is a really important moment because we need to know too for us today that the most important thing is that you and I are spiritually healed. But here's what's interesting. From this moment on, the Bible tells us that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that were present began to think about Jesus differently and actually wanted to kill him. Why? Because they knew as well that only God had the authority to forgive sin. And Jesus was making a big deal about that. He was saying that he could forgive sin, putting himself in the same power spectrum as who? God Almighty. And that's exactly what Jesus wanted us to see, that he was and is, and will always be God as well. And so the first thing that we see that is extremely important for us is that Jesus has authority to heal us spiritually and physically. Here's another one. In Matthew chapter 28 and Acts chapter 1, there's two important verses about authority as well. Matthew 28 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is after the cross and the resurrection, by the way. So Jesus is saying all authority is now his. Verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Acts chapter 1, 7 and 8, it says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now there's something really important here about Jesus' authority as well. It's that because Jesus has all authority, you and I can present him to the world as the one who died for their sin and rose again and now has all authority in the earth and in heaven. Now, that's a really important thing when you think about you and I doing something very challenging, and that is sharing our faith with somebody else. That can be very challenging and scary, and it takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? But when you understand that Jesus has all authority and all of heaven is behind you in that moment when you go to share Jesus with somebody, then that changes your courage. It changes your outlook and you recognize that the authority of Jesus is behind me as I share him with the world, as I talk to the world about him, and I want to be a witness living in power through the Holy Spirit so that I can be a witness for Jesus around the world. But there's also something else in here about authority. Have you ever noticed that there is a, there's a great fascination for all of us to know the future? Have you noticed that? I mean, I have it, you have it, 
The world has it. We all just, uh, we struggle. We want to know the future. We want to know what the future will hold. We want to know about our personal future so we can plan. But we also want to know the prophetic future. But Jesus has a word for us concerning the fascination of knowing the future personally and prophetically. This is his message to us. It's not for you to know. Amen. That's not your authority. It's not your place. Here's what Jesus says. Trust in my father's authority because he knows the future. But that's hard, isn't it? See, we are free from anxiety of knowing the future because we know the one who has authority over the future. You and I can put our worry aside, put our anxiousness aside, put our concern for the future aside because when we are in relationship with Jesus and the Father and we trust in his authority, then we know that he holds the future. Now this enables us to concentrate on what Jesus said was the most important task at hand, making disciples, being a witness to our neighbor and our friends and our coworker and talking to the world about Jesus. See, if we put those out of whack and we put them out of priority in the right priority, in other words, then we end up spending all of our time looking at the future, wanting the future, desiring the future, hoping for prophetic future. Instead, we miss the fact that somebody just walked by us today that needed to know about the love of Jesus. And we miss that opportunity. There's another very powerful thing about Jesus' authority in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 to 23, it says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Napoleon, at the end of his life, said it's interesting that Caesar conquered most of the world. So did Alexander the Great. I tried with most of my life, but a poor peasant spread out his arms and has conquered the world. Paul says that Jesus is now, because of the cross and because of his resurrection, far above all rule and authority. And that those who believe in him have lots of things, but in Paul's words, have three things in particular. You have hope. Now, what's hope? Is hope knowing the future? No. Hope is knowing that your future is secure because you trust in God. Amen. So you have hope. 
You have this amazing hope that is just resident in your mind and in your soul and in your heart every single moment of the day. It it comes into you when you wake up and it never leaves you when you sleep because the, the life and the belief of Jesus Christ is so powerful that you have hope every single day of your life, no matter what your circumstances are. They could be the most horrible, worst circumstances ever and you can have hope because of Christ. You also have a glorious inheritance. The other day, Kate and I, we've been going to a financial advisor because we decided that we probably need to have some money when we retire. (laughs) Hopefully we'll have Medicare, but that's not very much, is it? So we've been going and talking about future money, inheritance, things like that. And we've been talking about, you know, like how long you want that to last. I'm like, I don't know. Well, when are you going to retire? I don't know. I think I'd like to preach till I can preach anymore. (laughs) So do you? Yeah, that's good. When I start losing my mind, you know, and I'll, I'll, don't worry, I'll mix in a lot of younger people too up here when I'm getting older. I'll speak once in a while and they'll speak most of the time. So we'll have people up here with their faculties all in their right mind. I think that's important of good leaders. What are you laughing? Moving on. A glorious inheritance. Not just an inheritance that lasts you from 65 to 85. A glorious inheritance. Heaven. We're going to walk on streets of gold, people. You get to hang out with all of the great people in the Old Testament. You get to hang out with all your friends and family members that knew Jesus. You get to live for eternity. It's life eternal. There's really no price. You you want an ad about priceless? How about eternity? How about heaven? How about relationship with God? A glorious inheritance. But you also have, in the meantime... Not only do you have hope, in the meantime, while we're here, we also have an incomparably great power that is ours because we believe in Jesus. There is a power at work in you that is there and is resident because of who Jesus is in you and because the Holy Spirit is working in you. That power is not in every single person. It is only in the people who believe in Jesus If you've been doing life and wondering why life is such a struggle, I'll tell you why. It's because Jesus is not the incomparable great power in you. But when he is, you have all of the hope in your life. You have all of the power of heaven in your life. So come to know Jesus if you don't. Another verse is Ephesians 6, 12 and Colossians 2, 13 and 15. Ephesians 6 tells us something else about authority that's interesting. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So what we see from Ephesians 6.12 is there's also some other authority out there. There's evil authority. There's dark authority. There's authority that hates your soul simply because you were created in the image of God. Not because you're a Christian, by the way. Did you know that? Satan doesn't hate you because you're a Christian. He just hates you more 
because you're a Christian. He hates every single person that was created in the image of God. Everyone. But Colossians 2, 13 through 15 tells us this. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That's good news. That means that there are, there are other spiritual authorities in the world, but they don't have any authority over you as a follower of Christ because they've been defeated. So if you're following Christ and you believe in Jesus and you're walking in the spirit, the evil forces of our world have no authority over you because the power of Jesus' name is stronger in you than they are. The evil authorities, now they, they can operate freely in people and in systems that deny Jesus. You want to know why our world is in chaos right now? It's because we're denying Christ and we're creating systems and structures and an education that denies Christ as well. And that's why we're in chaos. Because we've opened Pandora's box and let, and let the evil come out. This is Jumanji in real life. This is spiritual Jumanji. You opened the box and let every evil thing come into your culture when you said, we don't want kids to be able to pray in school anymore. And we want to take the Ten Commandments out of all of our government buildings. And we don't want to honor God at all. We want to completely deny him in every structure and every system in our culture. And when we did that, we opened Pandora's spiritual box and allowed every evil authority to come and rule and reign. But that doesn't mean he has authority over you. You and I are living in a, in a corrupt system, just like people in China and in Venezuela and in Iran. But the 250 million Christians in China don't walk around defeated. And we shouldn't either. Yes. See, as King's kids, we have all the authority of Jesus behind us. Therefore, we do not have to fear or live in a defeated life in this world. See, our challenge with trust, at least mine, maybe this isn't yours, but this is kind of my challenge. I want to trust myself and God at the same time. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like, I want to trust myself because I think I'm a pretty smart guy. And I want to trust God at the same time. But let me remind myself and you about our theme verse for this year in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says this, trust in the Lord some of the time with a little bit of your heart. And depend on God's understanding when you feel like it, but most of the time just do what you want. Trust in the Lord with all, can you turn to your neighbor and say all? all your heart and do not depend turn your neighbor and say do not depend on your own understanding seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take see we often think trusting in god means give him 51 percent, and i get 49 percent. but that's not trust 
That's not what God teaches us. That's not what his word teaches us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, if you had to, ha- if you had to put a, a mathematical figure on all, what is that? It's 100%. That's right. It's not 51%. It's all of your heart. It's all of your trust. It's all of your thoughts. It's all of your life. But the trick to trust is not trusting myself at all. Not depending on myself at all. Now, this is where I struggle. This is probably where you struggle. I, I want to trust myself, but here's what I often find, or sorry, not often, always find. When I trust myself, when I trust my own ideas, my own thoughts, my own philosophies of life, I will put who first? Me. Yeah. I'll put myself first. I'll put my ideas first, my wisdom my knowledge, my understanding, it's all first. Not God's all-perfect wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, mine. My flesh always wants to put me first. And so you and I are always in this fight, always in this battle. It's spiritual, it's physical, it's mental, it's psychological, it's all of it. Because the enemy of our soul does not want us to trust in God. He does not want us to give... 100% of our relationship to God. Say, Pastor Mark, are are you saying that when I go into Maverick and I go down the candy aisle, I need to ask God which candy to get? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying because he will always say, get a Reese's. He's smart like that, you know? Get a baby Ruth. Or he'll probably say what? Go to the vegetable aisle. (laughs) That's probably what he would actually say. And now that I'm swimming in this sweatshirt... I would agree with him. (laughs) See, when we trust in the Lord and we put God first, he gets first priority in our life. His purposes and plans are what we desire. Serving others becomes our priority. We treat people the way Jesus did, not the way we would. We love unconditionally, become full of grace and truth. We forgive radically and accept one another boldly. We deny ourselves and follow Jesus, pick up our cross and daily live for Jesus. We begin to live like John the Baptist said. He must become greater, I must become less. This happens, hear me, hear me. This happens when we properly understand the authority of, of Jesus. It doesn't happen until you understand Jesus' authority. Now, some of you would say, are you telling me I'm just supposed to lose my personal identity and follow Jesus? No. You're supposed to embrace your true identity. You've just been living in a false one. We've all lived in it. Or are living in it. We think that our personal identity is who we really are. It's not. We're supposed to embrace our true identity as a created person of God, living under the supreme authority of a good, good father. Now, the Roman officer, it says in verse 3 that the Roman officer heard about Jesus, he'd heard stories about Jesus. He'd heard stories about Jesus' authority, raising the dead, 
opening blind eyes, loving a tax collector, healing the lepers, walking on water, things like that. So the Roman officer said, you're so great. Your authority is so awesome. I'm not even worthy to have you in my house, but I understand that everything in the world is submitting to you. So if you would just say the word, my servant would be healed. See, he could trust Jesus because he understood Jesus as the authority. This reminds me of a story. (laughs) It's of a man who was stationed on a battleship. And they were out um, doing training in their battleship. A couple other battleships were behind them. And they were in a storm. And it was foggy. And as they, they saw a light ahead of them out, out, out of the battleship you know, window. And so the captain of the battleship said, hey, radio, radio to that station or to that other ship and tell them to, uh, to move 20 degrees starboard. So he did. And the answer back was, no, you move 20 degrees starboard. And the captain said, radio back to him. I am a battleship. Move 20 degrees starboard. And the answer back was, I'm a second class seaman. You move 20 degrees starboard. And he said, tell him I am a captain in the United States Navy. And to move 20 degrees starboard. And the answer back was, I am a second-class seaman in the United States Navy, and I am a lighthouse. (laughs) The battleship quickly moved 20 degrees to port. And it reminded me of the authority that you and I have in Christ. As a follower of Jesus, can I tell you something? You are a battleship. That's who you are. But there's someone bigger than you. Someone a lot bigger than you. But you are a battleship. But too often, we live like a tugboat, don't we? (laughs) Hear me. We live like a tugboat, pushing and pulling our insecurities and our failures and our false identities around our whole life instead of living like a battleship. You say, Pastor Mark, but there's other battleships out there with their authority and they're shooting at me. No, they're not. Jesus blew all of the enemy battleships out of the water when he died on the cross. Remember, that's what Colossians 2 said. You say, well, how come I hear his voice? Because Satan can only yell from, from land now. He's not even in the water with you anymore. But all he can do is yell from land and accuse you and ridicule you and, and tell you what you're not. And unfortunately, you begin to believe you're a tugboat instead of a battleship. And he's not even in the water with you anymore. He's got no authority over you. But why do we listen? Why do we entertain those thoughts? Because we don't believe in the authority of Jesus. We don't believe Jesus has authority over those thoughts, which he does according to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, where you and I can take captive every single thought in the name of Jesus and command it where to go. 
I want to challenge you this morning. Stop living defeated. And start living in the authority of Jesus Christ, your Savior and your God. Now, as I close, um, I want to tell you what I think is the best part of the story of the Roman officer. Here's what I think is the best part. The Roman officer comes and he, he pursues Jesus and he wants Jesus' authority to come and do something for him. And the Roman officer knew that Jesus, who had all authority, and this is the best part, would do good. He would bless him. He would heal his servant. He would meet his need. He'd do the miraculous. He would care and have compassion on his situation. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Now, I think that's the best part because it reveals who God is. How many times have you heard that I don't, I don't live for God because he's just such a mean ogre God? I hear that all the time. That's not who God is. Look, when this Roman officer comes to Jesus, he comes because he knows that Jesus has all authority, but he also knows that he will use his authority to do, to do what? Crush his slave? No, heal his slave. Show compassion and grace and kindness and love. This is the God we serve. This is the God we know. He will always use his ultimate authority in the universe for compassion and for those that are hurting. He is good and loves to give good gifts to his kids. And and even in times where he makes a decision that we don't understand, it's still good. It comes out good in the end. We just don't understand his wisdom and his knowledge. See, God loves to do awesome things for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's who he is. That's, that's what the Roman officer reveals to us. Would you stand with me? Before we go this morning, I think it would be fitting and right for us to call upon Jesus' authority like the Roman officer did. Now here's what's great. The Roman officer said, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my home. I don't even need you to come here. I don't even need your presence in the room. Your authority is so great that whatever you say will happen. So we don't even need Jesus to come into this room, do we? But he's here. We know that he cares. And we know that he lives in heaven in all authority, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And he asks us to call upon him. And when we call upon him, his authority will change our lives. But you and I have to choose to live in it. And so maybe there's someone here, a couple things. Maybe you're not living in that authority and you would just say this morning, man, I need to live that way. I need to start living in the authority of Jesus Christ in my life and not living defeated. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe there's something going on in your life. You need physical healing. You need spiritual healing. You need mental healing, whatever, maybe psychological, whatever. Maybe you're here and you've never believed in Jesus Christ as your savior ever. You've never even 
you don't know what it's like yet to embrace the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. If any of those apply to you this morning and you just would like to call upon the authority of Jesus, would you raise your hand? I'm going to raise mine. Let's pray. Jesus, right now in this moment, we call upon your authority. We believe that you are the ultimate authority in the earth, in the universe. But Lord, what we also want to say is in our personal lives. We need your authority to rule and dominate our thinking, our actions, our words, our heart, our lives, how we live and move and operate in this world. Some of us, Jesus, need your authority right now to physically heal. So we call upon your physical healing. The authority of the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Jesus, would you heal those right now that raise their hand that need physical healing? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, someone else might have raised their hand for a different situation or a different reason. And whatever it is, we pray the authority of Jesus to come into that situation and change it forever. Change it forever, Jesus, in your name we pray. Jesus, we give you thanks. We recognize as we leave today that we need to live in your authority. It's connected to our trust in you. And if we're going to say we trust you, that means we have to believe that you are the ultimate authority in our lives and in the world. Jesus, I pray that you would help every single one of us in this room not to live defeated lives. Not to live in our false identities, in our insecurity, and in our brokenness. Lord, help us to live and understand that we are no longer living in our condemnation. We live in the authority of Jesus, the boldness of our forgiveness. The authority that we are king's kids, sons and daughters of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We are battleships. Jesus, help us not to pull around anything else. Be pulling and pushing all of the negativity in this world and in our lives. We break that off of us right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for your love and your grace, your mercy and your might, your power and your identity to be who we are. We give you thanks and praise. Lord Jesus, help us to live this way. Help us to live in the power of your spirit, not in our own identity and not in our selfishness. Help us to follow you. We give you thanks and praise, Jesus. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for coming to church this morning. It was great to see you. Glad you were here. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.